talk. We'll interrupt each other. Uh, guys, I'm really glad to be here. I was nervous you would never invite me on. I was a little scared. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa. But now that I'm here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you, as the guest, are you trying to start our podcast? Yes. What is, what is happening yeah, right now? I'm, I'm t- this is a full-blown takeover. Do you notice my hair? I don't, I, my hair has been long lately, and I don't know what to do with it. So today, you I went out in the convertible be, for a while, huh? I, yeah, I did the Pat Riley. And you know why? It's for very it, specific I was reason. just going to say. It's Pat a very Riley. specific reason because, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I started go. this company back in the day, but I'm out of the game now. I'm kind of the, the old man in the distance. And we have Coach Spolstra down there with Cameron. Is that still <laughs> the, the, the Yeah, he's yeah, still there. And we have Jimmy Butler up there. In <laughs> uh, I feel like right. this is the perfect trio. We got it. We're running – we're we're gonna create the next next dynasty, just like Jimmy and Spo are gonna do for Pat. It's gonna be amazing. I was listening how, to three non blondes before this to get fired up. So, how uh. many uh, how many listeners um, did we just completely lose with the Miami Heat NBA? It's hard to lose listeners when you. Know. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's true. I guess your listener is on the show right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about, gentlemen? Man, the the big topic that I thought would be so fun is Cameron and I've been ta- we've been catching up, just laughing at at how how almost hysterical it is. People continue to say things like "Praxis is too good to be true," and how how crazy it is that such a practical approach to anything, not just praxis, like such a practical approach to anything in this day and age has become revolutionary and just completely radical where it's like, things don't have to be so hard. Why does everybody make everything so hard? Um, people saying it's too good to be true in a positive way. Like, Oh my gosh, this is too good to be true. Or people yeah. being like, it's a scam. It's too good. To yeah. Be true. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, How could I, mean, I ever get started with my life if I didn't jump through all of these ridiculous hoops that every well, other alternative requires? <laughs> right. So, so, so I've so, noticed, a, go ahead, Cameron. I mean, they're just so accustomed through the standard hoop jumping of the, uh, the traditional path with college and everything that anything that's like, yeah, actually, you don't need any of that. There's a direct path that you can take. People are blown away by. It's funny thinking about trends in like the kind of uh, phone calls um, that we used to take with Praxis and customer service inquiries and just things people say on social. And I'm not as closely involved today, so you guys will have a better pulse than me. But from what I can see, <clears throat> there's been a huge shift in the seven years since launch in just the the veracity and the volume of certain types of objections or um, or even positive things. So, for example, we did get the, is this a scam, a lot at first. Now, there's some reasons it just had no track record or brand recognition. But, you know, even over several years with some track record, like, I don't think it's entirely just because it was new. I think now the question of, like, I don't know. Is that a scam? Now, part of it's because there's a bigger track record for Praxis as well as coding boot camps and other college alternatives that people know are, you know, sort of viable yeah. and there's some social proof. But I think part of it is because the word scam is now pretty comfortably associated with what college is doing. Even the people who still go feel like, yeah, I'm kind of getting scammed, but it's a scam I have to do. And so we're not facing as much of a, are you a scam 
and everything else is just assumed to not be a scam. Now it's like, okay, everybody's getting scammed out there. What's the, what's the, what's the what's least the scam? Yeah. What's the non-scam alternative? These guys are only asking for one year and 12 grand and they're getting people higher. I guess that's the least scammy, right? Like it's so funny. Yeah. Just the, I, it's like the thing that we've been arguing for so long that the burden of proof, when you just think in the abstract, you're like, Hey, 17 year old kid with no credit and no concept of what credit means and what it means to have debt that you can't get out of even with bankruptcy and no idea what you want to do with your life. You should take out any amount of money that it requires, 50, 60, 100K, and go spend five and a half on average just to get a four-year degree, years of your life, uh, mostly getting drunk and sitting around in classes that nobody, including the professors, wants to be in and come out of it with no clue how to operate in the real world and habits that make you less valuable in all kinds of despondency, dependency, yeah. and debt. Uh, yeah, that's a great idea. You should do that. Whether or not there are cases in which that makes sense, the burden of proof should be on that thing to prove that it's a good idea instead of the burden of proof being on anyone that says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to like investigate this and poke holes in it. It's like they have all the burden of proof. And I think that's finally starting to flip. Yeah, but at least at least the Stockholm syndrome aspect has changed a little bit now because now people are like, yeah, I have Stockholm syndrome still, but at least I get to choose my jailer. Like I, get to choose, I get to choose who, who abuses me, whether it's, you know, a, boot, a coding camp, if it's college, whatever, like I still have to be abused in order to go. Like I have to have some type of financial setback or some ridiculous set of like unnecessary things in order to go out into my real world, in, into the real world. Well, at least I get to choose which, which set of abuses I have to How do you undergo. chip away at that? How do you like take it the next step? So like we've come a long way. People are more comfortable questioning college and just being, frankly, rational, practical human beings. But there's still a bigger step to make. There's still a bigger mental shift. And obviously, we found a, a, a subset of the market that, that is willing to think that way and think in a more empowered way rather than, a, what do I have to do to not be a loser? But like, what are you guys seeing? What, what is yeah. the rhetoric, the arguments? How are you approaching that? So I think this is something that's already that's always been baked into what we do. But I think this year, especially with Mitchell coming on board, we have put it front and center of like focusing on that empowerment at the individual level. And we kind of start conversations with people interested in Praxis with, Hey, we are not here to get you your dream job. We, we are not saying that you must like you need praxis to be successful. We, we tell them we want to work with people that are fully capable of doing the things that they'll do throughout the program experience on their own. And as long as you meet, you know, the type, you know, if you have the character traits and the mindset that we know um, is part of somebody who's, who's successful in the program, then no matter where you're coming in experience level wise, skill level wise, we can help you level up, but you're going to be at the center of the, you know, your own program experience. It's not about, Hey, like my one issue I have with, you know, the whole college issue has been more conversational, more in the narrative on Twitter and social um, over the last couple of years, especially. And, it's really, it's like exhausting and boring to hear about 
well, what's the best, what's the better version of college? What does that look like? Like, okay, these, these, Burn it to yeah. Chicago fire. <laughs> these hoops have become too expensive to jump through. What should the new hoops be? And we're yeah. saying there are no hoops. You're, you know, you can get started. There's a direct path for you to take. We're going to help you figure out the best way to set up your own life. Yeah, I think yeah. The, I think the shift though has been like as people have have come to believe less in college or or like the religion of college, the the cracks are being exposed. People are becoming a little bit more skeptical. It's not just of college; it's of institutions in general. And I think the the natural like pendulum swing back in the other direction. I have a lot of these conversations. Is like, why do I need anybody? Like, I can just go do all these things on my own. And it's like, yeah, you can. And honestly, like, if you want to do that, do that. If you don't want to go it alone, though, there's there are other options that will empower you on your journey. But you are absolutely right. The idea that you need some third-party institution in order to get what you want out of life, that in itself is wrong. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I just had a conversation, uh, kind of a debate with a venture capitalist and a bootstrapped entrepreneur about whether entrepreneurs should take venture capital. And it's a very similar thing. It's like, you know, well, screw you. I don't need you. I don't, you know, the cost has come down of starting companies and bootstrapping. And like, if that's you, why are you even arguing? You don't need to take venture capital. Go, go do your thing. If right. you see an opportunity or join an accelerator program or whatever, if you see an opportunity to say, Hey, I know I can do this, but I think I can do it three, five, 10 times faster or three, five, 10, a hundred times bigger if I go and get that capital or if I go and get into that accelerator and get introduced to some donors or, you know, some, some, um, you know, investors or some other employees, then do it, right? Like if you see that this can accelerate, and I think this is um, the analogy probably halfway through Praxis's existence that we kept running up against people not knowing, customers, not just prospective customers, not knowing how to frame what Praxis is to them. They would either want it oh. to be a school that just tells them what to do and gives them grades or they would be like, well, then if it's not a school, I could just do everything on my own. And, yeah. you know, if you want to do everything on your own, go. Like, we don't want, you know, you guys don't want customers that don't want to be there. If it's not manifestly making their life better, don't work with Praxis, right? The analogy was like a gym membership or a fitness coach for yep. your career or, you know, yep. a, a CrossFit club. Yes, can you like swing ropes and lift barrels and jump on tree stumps by yourself? Absolutely how many people feel that they are much, much better at that when they join a gym that not only provides a lot of the equipment, accountability, a network, there's something to that that makes them get healthy faster. Most professional athletes, amateur athletes, people that want to get fit just do better when they join something like that, but not all. And if you're one of those that can do it on your own, like why, why join a gym and go through all that if you can do it on your own? So I think that's a good uh, analogy, but I got a question for you guys. Um, radical and practical and Mitchell and I were talking about this a little bit uh, and you opened up with this a bit, but I'm curious from like a branding standpoint, I love that, that you have leaned into what I kind of see as Praxis's DNA, which is kind of like a, a bit of a radical, a bit of a edgy, like punchy sort of real, <laughs> no holds barred. Um, not in like a bombastic, you know, uh, controversy for its own sake way, but You've leaned into that and then gone even a little further, which I think is great. Um, I remember people early on often saying to me, hey, look, you could have way more customers. You could partner with this group or this group. 
if you would just like not sound so radical, why don't you just come across as a more, you know, hey, Praxis, don't talk about college alternative. No, 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 no. You know, Praxis is, Praxis is this 12-month professional development program where you gain skills, blah, blah, blah. Yawn. And, and <laughs> I think... I think there's a weird, like, I, I want to I ask how you guys think about that. I mean, I know I'm taking a long time to formulate my question, but you've worked with me before and you know, you, you knew what you were getting into on here. We can uh, always meet you if needed. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got, I have no idea how you're going to edit this down. Um, the, I want to I ask how you think of it because I always kind of felt like trying to make the case that Praxis is practical, you can't without making the radical case because for the reasons we just opened up with the world sees the most radically stupid thing you could ever do. Just default assumption, go into debt and go to college with no plan and no guaranteed outcomes. They see that as the practical approach. And so if you present something that's genuinely practical, Hey, this is like really in some ways practices a very conservative decision, right? Like financially risk, you're mitigating your downside risk massively and you're maximizing your upside risk massively. And you don't lose out on the upside with things like ISAs and some of these other, um, you know, alternatives have you, you kind of have the ability to get the best of both worlds. So it's very practical, but if you just try to sell it as something practical, I, I think people will see it as radical, whether you want them to or not. Because they just, that, that was my take. And so I was kind of like, we got to lean into that. And I didn't always go all the way. Like I was kind of, I would kind of let our voice get a little bit flatter and try to appeal to different audiences at times. And then every time that would go for a little while, I get pissed off and I'd like go to the marketing guys and be like, all right, that's enough of that. We got to spit some fire. So anyway, how do you guys think? I, I know I've seen you take the new website and the brand and really like turn up the gas and go all in on that. So I'm curious what motivated that decision and how that has, what feedback you've gotten from the market on being radical. Yeah, I think- yeah. Go ahead, Mitchell. The way I think about it is just like, I don't want to build a business that's boring. I don't want to be bored like what we're doing. And I think that right out of the gates, the beginning of this year, like I was coming back in and trying to assess like what's what's working, what's not working and, you know, where are we at? And I think just like there was a part of me that's like, we're not we're not speaking to the people who are looking for 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 what we have. Like we're not speaking, we're missing out on those people that, that are truly like attracted to us for the philosophy. And, and like, I think that there are so many people, young, young adults in, in particular, who, who have this kind of like fire that's been mostly stamped out or, or it's been tried to be stamped out and they, they like, they're longing for something revolutionary. And I think I feel the same, like I had this giant chip on my shoulder to like go help those people. Cause I, I felt that same way as a young adult, like going out into the real world, just like, why are there so many stupid hoops to jump through? Why is every, like, why are there so many just stupid things that we have to do that don't make sense? And it's just like a daily frustration. And, and when I think about like the stuff I like to do as a marketer or just like the type of business I want to be involved in, like I want to be fired up every day. And I know it's unrealistic to do that every single day, but I want to be going out and, and doing the most exciting version of what we could be doing. And at the end of the day, I think there's, there, there are a couple advantages to that is one the people who care most and, and crave what you're doing most are going to find you and immediately it's going to resonate with them. And second, it's going to scare away people 
that are not serious about what you want for the right reasons. Like, yeah, I may, you know, if we're a beige brand, a boring vanilla brand of like this very practical thing with no revolutionary idea behind it, it becomes a commodity to people who aren't really bought into what we're doing. And I don't want to like, that's not what I really want to do. It's just like, people were not delivering a life-changing experience for like, Oh yeah, Praxis did this, but it was just like any other plug and play option I could have hired to solve the same problem. Like that's boring to me. Mitchell, uh, how much did you have to increase your um, keyboard budget when you decided that you <laughs> needed to be fired up every day? Because I've, I've worked next to you and I know when you're fired up, you start banging on those keys. I just, when I went to your new about page, which is just absolutely on fire, the copy is amazing. It really captures the essence of Praxis in a powerful way. And I've, I imagine you writing it. And I just, I imagined <laughs> how many keyboards you destroyed, just pounding. Unfortunately, my last laptop, we did have to hold awake for it recently. It, it was, <laughs> I, I had to take it to the Apple store like three times over the past six months. And finally, I was like, we just, I got to buy a new one. So... <laughs> Oh my goodness. So for me, I mean, I, so I've pretty much been involved with Praxis from the beginning. So I've been through all of our conversations and like at different points we were, you know, kind of positioned as more radical and then we went away from it and then we'd come back. And, you know, it's really been the past 12 months since I've, I've come back full time that this has probably been like the main thing I've, I've been thinking about and, you know, continue the conversation with Mitchell and everything. And I forget where I saw this, but something struck a chord with me earlier this year where it, it was essentially like build, build the company that would, that would replace what you already have now. And it's like, that's a version of Praxis as a company, Praxis as a program, that I want to be building. And, you know, imagine a future which will be coming where like just college is completely irrelevant and, you know, not, not even in the competitive landscape for what we're trying to do. It's like, what's the best version of that? And it's, it's what we're doing as opposed to somewhat apologetically trying to fit into a world where, you know, college is the, seen as the practical default option like let's go build let's go build our vision of the future and you know essentially backtrack from that to to get there essentially and i think at the end of the day exactly what mitchell said like you just have to be confident in your point of view of the world and that's that's now what we're living out entirely and this was my suspicion that got me really excited and, and I see it happening is by leaning into the, it's, you know, we are Praxis as a program experience. It's like the most pragmatic direct thing available, but it's the world around us that's gone insane. And so therefore what we're presenting is seen as radical. Yeah. And yeah, it's not like it's not like some radical like okay, you're gonna uh, you know go meditate in the woods for six months and then you'll get a right, job. We're gonna teach right. you how to juggle and that's gonna make you more valuable. <laughs> that's the, I like that's radical, right? Like, hey, we're gonna right. teach you skills that everybody demands, help you build a portfolio, place you in a startup, get you on your way, and coach you all the way. There's that's like so practical, you know? Yep. So actually, when I think about like the history of Praxis and our positioning, 
we never did as good of a job as we were, we maybe could have done of like pairing, getting the right balance between the radicalness and the edginess and the pragmatic, like, this is specifically what the program is. This is what you'll get out of it. And this is who you'll become. And I think what, um, what's happening now is like, there's, there's a combination of the two. Yeah. The worlds are merging. Well, and I'm like such a big picture, like bomb throwing, like ah, big vision. <laughs> so like when Praxis started, it was, that was, that's how I talk. That's how like the, the thing is framed and the details, you guys know, I'm not a details guy, the nuts and bolts. <laughs> how's it all going to work? It doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Right. And so as we realized like more and more people kept asking questions, what's in the curriculum? And so we're like adding more and more information, breaking down the curriculum kept changing to be more and more applied specifically to what is the fastest way to make you valuable to a job, which was always the goal. But my assumption about what that would be, it was way more abstract and it kept getting tighter and tighter. And I think that the brand sort of came a little bit with it and was like, the brand had more about the practical specifics of the program and you kind of need that, that marriage where the brand is this big, fiery, abstract calling, you know, but the, but the what, right? That's it's backed the what. up. The what it's backed is, up by details. And it's very concrete and it's very to the yep. ground. You will get boom, boom, and boom. The outcome will be this. This is how we do it. It's very pragmatic. It's not, you will have a life-changing, transformative, <laughs> intellectual, and professional experience that is, you know, there's just a bunch of vagaries, so... Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think that goes for like any company, especially any new company, like you have to pair the big vision with like the simple, the sophisticated, simple version of like, this is what it actually does. Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's, there's something like, like fundamental about marketing in the mix here that like the times where looking back, you know, I haven't been here the entire time, but looking back where, the the message was most appealing and most potent versus like the times that that you know it wasn't quite as appealing is I, I think a lot of companies run into this is there's this tendency to market the solution and get out there and tell people about here's here's what I'm going to sell you. Here's all the widgets and features and nice things that you're gonna get by doing this. And when when you shift too much toward talking about the solution, you stop talking about the problem. And like especially in a market where you're doing something that, that is radical or revolutionary or whatever, like people don't know the solution exists in many cases. They don't know there's a better alternative out there. They don't even know there's a different option. And so it's very difficult to go reach those people with a solution they're not even looking for yet. And so what, as we kind of rethought everything is just like, what are people looking for? is like they recognize there's this huge problem. It's college. They're looking for alternatives. Like we need to look into, look, lean into that. We need to talk about the problem in a way that when the right person comes across it, they're like, holy shit, these people understand the world. They understand the, the way that I see things. They understand my frustrations and they probably are the most credible people to be able to help me address that in my life. And at the end of the day, like, telling them what you're offering becomes a little bit easier once you have that kind of credibility in terms of like asking, your description. Right? Yeah. 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 It's funny. The, uh, you know, like I, over the years, all these different podcasts and talks and stuff, and you can imagine, I'm sure I've given talks or podcasts with a title <laughs> like this, like 
you know, the value of apprenticeship for starting your career or why real world experience in uh, boot camps can be a better approach for alert, blah, blah, blah. Contrast that to the one that I think like really captured the essence and, and we, we started to embrace it in, in a lot of the branding um, <clears throat> to a degree at the time is a, it's still up on YouTube. It's just called uh, the degree is dead or college is college dead. Is dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like the problem is degrees, college, it's, it's shitty. It's dead. It's not going to, it's not doing anything for your career. Right. And just laying that and continuing to blast that and it can feel tiring, but it's like, that's really what people are connected no, with. They, they have a hunch. And then when you say it, they're like, I've thought that too. Let me see what you think I should do instead. Right. Um, You're and that it's like a moth to a flame. <laughs> when, you know, when we're using that, those types of taglines, when we're sharing that point of view, that's how we attract the type of person we ultimately want. And then to you burn, and then you just burn them up. Could confirm people's right. suspicions. Yeah. 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 Set them on fire. Maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> you break, you break then mold. That's, so there's a, there's the a game. classic, uh, a classic book. I know both of you have read it. Uh, at least you told me you did when I asked you to read it a couple <laughs> of years ago, uh, in, uh, in marketing called crossing the chasm. And it's kind of oh. about, you know, growing your, growing your product, oh, yeah. growing your company. Um, oh, look, oh, always within arm's reach shelf. Listen. And in the internet age, that means you read it, right? Like, yeah. Hey, yeah. look at all it's these there. books. It's um, there. I read 120 it, books a day, you know, but the, Lamborghini. the whole premise is like, yeah. <laughs> you've got your, um, you're sort of your true believers as your first customers yeah. and it's a small, very market of, of your cult following. And then you kind of have your like, you know, early adopter yeah, exactly. types who are like a little bit more pragmatic. And then you have your pragmatist and that's where you have to cross that chasm to get to pragmatist. And I think something that does that I don't think is mentioned in that book. I, I, I read it at least one, I think twice and I haven't seen it in there and I've read it referenced. I haven't seen it, but that I've observed a few times and I didn't notice it until now in retrospect with Praxis. You can be like, Hey, we've nailed the true believers and Praxis has like, there are people that just yeah. are, Praxis type of people. And as soon yeah. as they find Praxis, it's a match made in heaven. And, and to a degree, the early adopters as well, like a good chunk of people who are not quite as philosophically there, but they're pretty dang close. They're not the pragmatists necessarily who are just like, all right, let me shop around for the best deal. Um, and the assumption is, okay, we've nailed them. Now we got to cross that chasm. So how do we reach those pragmatists who are not as motivated by the radical philosophy? And you start to like water it down and try all these different things. Yeah. And the assumption is, well, you either have to stay small or do that to grow, but that assumes one big thing. It assumes a fixed number of true believers. That's right. And what we've seen, it's like, it's like we didn't know how much we were winning. I think until the last <laughs> year, I've sort of noticed like, oh my gosh, all the things that I dreamed and wished for with Praxis, they're like happening now. It took longer than I thought. I knew we were early, but it took a long time. But that true believer market is growing really fast. So yep. even if you only stay there, you're riding a growth wave and you're the king of it as long as you stay true to that radical message. But if you try to appeal to the pragmatist, you can unknowingly miss out on this booming market of true believers because you've watered down your message. And, and an analogy for those who, you know, maybe follow politics or popular pop culture or whatever. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a you know, political guy or anything or making any claims about- You're not a political happen. guy? The, uh, oh my goodness. The, the Ron Paul movement, I think, is a good example of this. We're like a lot of people who maybe believe similar things to Ron Paul for a lot of years. And we're like, well, there's like two people on the planet that think the Fed needs to be abolished or these crazy sort of libertarian ideas. So instead, we'll kind of try to like 
reach the more pragmatic types and kind of water that down and whatever. And I think a lot of people who were, who would, would have valued similar things as Ron Paul completely missed the chance to grow their influence, their customers, their base, their voters, whatever it is, because they were assuming they had tapped out that market and they didn't realize that market was actually growing really fast. They didn't know there was this huge number of sort of true believers. And so Ron Paul comes out and says his crazy stuff, oh, abolish the Fed. And he has this groundswell of like people who get excited about the idea of abolishing the Fed. Like who would ever have predicted that unless you were really had your ear to the ground. So I think that's one of those examples where it's like, you can grow really fast without crossing the chasm if the true believer market itself is growing really fast. Well, and I think what's happening to college and people are like, screw this. The people who resonate with your message, that is a bull market like I've never seen. Yeah, the, the, the danger too is like if you back off of like the soul of what you're doing and you, you begin to like water it down and like take a, like if we were just like, college is great for some people in the right circumstances, but we think people who don't wanna to go to college, that's who we're trying to help. Like if we did that, like the people who care most, like that repels those people. You know, they're like, you lose credibility in my, my mind because I thought you were doing something special, but it turns out you're just like every other boring company that's like ultimately not doing, you're, you're like, subject to change at the whims of, of, you know, whatever, whatever wind blows. Well, you get something else too. If you're like, Hey, college is a great thing for a lot of people. But if you're one of those that it's not a fit for come to practice, if you say that kind of shit, who are you going to get? You're going to get, I'm sorry. You're going to get total losers. Why? Yep. You're going to get people for whom college is too challenging. And that is about the lowest bar on planet earth. If you think college is too hard and too challenging and too much work, it's too much monotony. It's too much money. It's too much bullshit, but it's not too much work, right? If you think that's too much work, you're going to get crushed. You're going to get destroyed in praxis, right? And so that approach, and I remember like early on, I used to have all these professors tell me, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you know, what you're doing is great for some people because there's some people in my class. Oh, it's that just so patronizing. Well, it, it's, it's always the undertone of, oh, so this is actually a good story. We get yeah, that take, all Take the, time. the dumb, unambitious people. It, yeah. it came with such arrogance and really funny story to see how far things have, things have come. I was on a, uh, on a call with a couple professors a few weeks ago because they're trying to help, you know, their school and help their students, like, be prepared for getting jobs after they graduate. And the, the tone was, Oh my God. Like, yeah, I wish like practice is so great and intensive and it's great for like our top 5% of people, but our average students, there's no way they could do it. And yeah. We used like, to have professors come on the group calls and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, I want to do these every month. I wish my, Oh my gosh, there's engaged. students that are awake. Like, that how do you listening? get, how do you get people to be interested? It's like, well, because they're here by choice and they're actually yep. paying for the product because they want it. But, but the thing I would always reply <laughs> to these professors, I remember one of the very early slogans I used to use sometimes and it didn't, I liked sure it, work. but it was probably too heady. It didn't, it didn't resonate with customers much was uh, you're worth more than college because early on people who thought of college alternatives, and this has changed. They thought, Great well, a college cool. alternative is if, I'm not good enough for college. Then I got to go to like Votech school or, or something. I guess I'll right. look at Praxis. And to say, no, 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 no. This is for people who are better than college. You are better than the person who just sits in a classroom drooling and, you know, paying money to get sure. some stupid degree. Like, and when you think of the financial return, just purely economics, 
once you understand what college is, that this is a bundle of things, but the biggest thing that people are buying is a signal, you realize that the most ambitious and intelligent people are getting ripped off the most, which is the opposite. Professors will tell you, oh, well, college is maybe a bad deal for stupid kids, but it's a great deal for smart kids. No, it's an utter ripoff for smart kids because if, you're, if you have half a wit of ambition and intelligence, you can build a better signal than a generic ass degree that lumps you in with every other holder of that degree that's ever lived. And look around at the other holders of that degree. They're not impressive people on average. If you're below average and you're like, yeah, a BA in communications from Iowa State University would make me look 10 times better than I really am uh, because I have no way to prove to, that will, that will fool the market into thinking I'm valuable because I have no other value I can prove. That's the person for whom college is a good deal. <laughs> you know, I pity that person, but. Yeah, best case scenario for an ambitious, talented young person, college becomes a holding pattern for yeah. four or five years. We're, and that's you like, even if that's the case, that just means your opportunity costs of, of growth and experience and skill development, you're, you're wasting four to five years. And worst case, like you are actually decreasing in value because of the mindset and you know, that you gain by sitting in a classroom. Cameron, how, how valuable on your early first couple years job hunt, how much did it open doors for you that you were like, BA, College of Charleston, bitches? You know? I, Mitchell, how much was it like, BA, Oklahoma State University, bitches, where's my job offer? I no, intentionally left off any of that stuff because it, it was immediately embarrassing to me by the time <laughs> I had it. Oh, we're different in that regard. I was, you know, I had the letters in my email you signature like and everything. You were like everything, right? I, I was still, I was still so programmed. I was still so frustrated. It was so weird because there was such a cognitive dissonance. Like my college experience was the most frustrating period of my life because it, it was like every direction I turned, I ran into a wall that just seemed completely arbitrary. And somehow I, I didn't see the forest for the trees until after I'd gotten out in the real world. But like, by the time I left, I still, there was still just a little bit of buy-in. Like I was still going to okay, go back to you're school. You're an interesting persona, Mitchell, because there are some other people like you. It's a rare type, but you kind of, you're a glutton for punishment in a way. So there's a part yeah. of you that feels like if I like, I got to like suffer and do that. And, and you're highly competitive. So it's almost like if someone puts a game in front of you, even if the game is a little bit stupid or not one that you care to play, it's very hard for you to resist winning at it. And so like, if you're in the game of college, you're going to win. You're going to be like the best at this. You're going to do this. You're, now you're a rebel too, which is an interesting combination. But I think like, I can see a little bit of that, like this is dumb and I see that and I'm going to break several of your rules, but I'm going to both break your rules and win your game at the same time. Like, cause I want to like show you or whatever, like, I don't know. I think that's a, that's part of your greatness, but that's an interesting combo. They, they took a, uh, Johnny Cash had an ad that, that perfectly portrays my, my personality. I think it's, it's that one where he's like fl flipping off the, the American record company or whatever that, that wouldn't hold his record ever. Every time I see that, it just, that, that really vibes with me. <laughs> that's, that was college for me. It was just like, Oh my gosh, this is so stupid. Like this, I'm, I'm doing valuable work out here. And for some reason that's not good enough. That's like, like it doesn't translate in the actual classroom, but it, it took so long getting out into the real world to, 
to recognize it. I mean, it, this goes back to our earlier conversation, like the radical practicality of praxis is it, I, I think it was until I actually encountered that idea that I was suddenly like, oh my gosh, the problem is like, I've been, I've been seeking permission still. Like I've had these beliefs, but at the end of the day, I still felt like they had to be validated. I had to win according to the rules that somebody else had set instead of realizing like, just don't play stupid games. You know, like that, that did change. That was a big change in my, my perception of higher education because all my problems, like somebody else had articulated them in a way that I could relate to immediately. The, uh, here's, here's an analogy for radical pragmatism I've been thinking about. So Steph Curry completely revolutionized the game of basketball by making the three pointer, just like the shot to go. And the trend was headed there because, you know, analytics became more part of it and people were discovering, Hey, this is actually more efficient than the way we play basketball right now. But didn't really have, I guess, a vision of a better state until Curry showed that like you're actually, I'm capable of doing this. And like, he'd be taking, you know, 30, 32 footers on a regular basis. He and, destroyed. And like off the ball as a point guard, yeah, not coming like, off of picks and being a guy that stands right, in the corner all day. Off the dribble yeah, and shattered the three-point, you know, record in a season by like, you know, it was probably like high, you know, 180, 190. He got it over 400. And now you look at the game and there's five, you know, there's all these other players that are just freely shooting those types of shots. But without Steph, no one would have ever tried it. And, now, co- and coaches wouldn't have allowed it. You know, coaches right. would have been like, don't take that shot. And, uh... and I think what we hear all the time about, you know, praxis and people seeking alternatives is there's always been a, a group of people that want alternatives. Like I understand the problems with college. It's not like over the last 10 years, college has just gotten that much worse it the problems that it has have been there for a long time and have been fundamental but until you see that alternative path like oh wow here's something that's actually introducing you to a different world yeah it's the self it's the self-limiting beliefs that that come as a result of not having you know nobody's ever done it or i don't know anybody that's ever done it. it's like uh i think of roger roger banister ma- breaking the four minute mile like Nobody yep. had done it. And then once he did it, like everybody Everyone. did it. Yep. And it was it actually that people weren't very fast at that point in time, or is it the fact that there's just like more of a mental barrier to, to what's possible until you see somebody else do it? Yeah. That's what's, that's what's the difference between just marketing being, Hey, let me convince you to change your mind and do this thing versus marketing being, let's just talk about, what we're already doing, right? So you market the problem and you market the customer. Look at our customers. Here's what they're doing. Like this is possible, not only for one person, not only for super geniuses, just normal people like you who are hardworking and they want something different. And we've done this hundreds of times over and over again and it works and it's amazing, right? Like letting people see that possibility that the dichotomy always used to be, and it's still largely, at least in old people's minds, but, um, but it's much less and definitely in young people's minds that there's person who goes to college and there's person who's a loser. 
uh, you know, who's, who's whatever, sitting on the couch, eating Cheetos or working at a restaurant or something for the rest of their life. And so you were like, yeah, I could drop out. I know that's possible, but dropping out while succeeding is not possible. And to be like, not only is it possible, it's like, right. Yeah. I could jack up threes from half court when I'm guarded by somebody, but like, I can't do that and succeed. Uh, and it's like, no, not only can you succeed, you will beat everyone. <laughs> yeah. It was like before, before Steph came along and then a, so you make that association of shooting those types of shots with an MVP caliber player. It yeah. was like, Oh, if you're doing that, you must be out of your mind. Like J.R. Smith. Like you're either well, J.R. Smith or you're Seth Curry. <laughs> and there's a lag too. That's the exciting part is what you saw first when Steph started doing what he was doing, you didn't see other NBA players or teams immediately start doing that. Right. You didn't, you didn't even see college teams or players immediately start doing that. Maybe some in high school, but what you saw immediately was 10, 12 year olds on the playground. They all started doing it. And then in a year or two, everyone in high school started doing it. And then the, then college and in five years, the whole NBA had done it. And so you, those current generations, they have been conditioned into, this is how you achieve X and they're going to be the last, right? So like your parents, they're going to be the last to realize how ridiculous college is. You, it might take you a little longer. The kids who are teenagers now and younger, they're already like, they get it. Way oh my more, gosh. You know? I mean, we've seen it, you know, over the seven years of running the application process of every six months, every six to 12 months, people are just, you know, our youngest cohorts, they're just like, yeah, I like, I, I have no interest in college and I've once, never once had that, had uh, Once that DOB on the application crested the 2000 mark, <laughs> it was like over. It was Y2K. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can, can you imagine, like, if if when 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 I was in high school, like our age in high school, like telling a teacher, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I want to make money on the internet. Yeah, like that right. would have been completely wild. Like you would have yeah. been a crazy person. But now, like that's that's some of the cool effects. Is like, and in spite of most schooling, young people still see so many pathways to success. Like they're like, oh, no, I, mean, I have could, a friend that's a YouTube millionaire. Like, could you I, guys even describe, like, I can't even describe my job today and I'm doing it <laughs> and people are familiar with most of the aspects. How would you even describe your current job? Even 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, like, what do you do? What skills did you learn? What do you, how do you make money? Like, it would have just been out outside of, you know, the ability to conceive of. And, and so I think the, the benefit of people just seeing so much more of what's possible in the world, the free flow of information, um, the ability to build your own brand, like it's just blown the, the gates off and there's a delay, there's a lag. Part of it's generational, um, part of it's just, uh, it's hard to change habits and, and things like that. But um, you guys still get, like a lot of parental pushback like do you have to do the the old i'm sold but can you do a call with my mom to help convince her or no the so we probably do more conversations with parents than we ever have uh especially of like accepted applicants and stuff um it's can especially compared to what it used to be like parents are the ones that are introducing their kids to practice now and it's like, hey, how'd you hear about Praxis? Like, oh, my mom, you know, heard this podcast or saw this Fox News segment, et cetera. Wow. Like, hey, you that means the check game is really changing, really right. changing. Like in, in the previous history, I can think of one, one, maybe two. 
customers whose parent was the one that advocated. Usually their parent was the antagonist or the reason they didn't do the program. Yeah. And we, you know, you still have the typical parental dynamic of like, Hey, I want to make sure, you know, this thing is legit and you know, you're going to be good for my kid and et cetera. But it's, it's not a, I, I have 30 minutes with the parent and I have to convince you why this strong belief that you've held your entire life of college is a mandatory is a thing. Like the conversation does not even start there anymore. It's so it's does amazing. that, does that change your, your, um, how you try to understand, uh, which, which applicants are really going to be a great fit for the program and, and benefit from it? Because, you know, in the past you could say, look, the fact that you have to go against your parents' wishes is kind of proof in itself that you've got some moxie that you're going to be all right. Cause this is a demanding program and we want to make sure that it's a win for you. Um, the, we always used to joke that the like, Hey, like my mom told me to do this thing and you'd give me a job, right? The person <laughs> parent is the driving force. So right. have you, have you found that parents who are really excited, you got to find some other way to measure whether their kid is really excited too? Well, so I, I remember very vividly those types of uh, challenges we had in the past and stuff. And I mean, I, I think. Isaac, I think that like was our, when you were there. You didn't run a tight ship. Uh, those, those are, those yeah. are uh, days gone. I mean, what, what I mean just every, no. <laughs> everything we've learned over the years, like, we know when that's an issue, like, hey, like, as an individual applicant, this person either has it or they don't. And yeah. one of our secrets is like, it doesn't matter about, it matters far less, like, do you have a this specific type of experience that we look for and the specific types of skills? And it's about your mindset and attitude. So we just know, like, that's always going to be important. That's something we value. We're going to place a lot of emphasis on. And it's not like, you have situations where it's like, all right, it looks like the parents doing this application for this person type of situation. It's, you know, Hey, parent introduced it to me. You know, you got to take the lead from here. If, if there's any sense of, you know, you're, you're getting dragged by your family to do something, we're going to sniff that out. You, you just send them a copy of Mitchell's book. Don't do stuff. You hate and make sure <laughs> that's they right. It. That's right. Um, Man, that, that's, that's really, really cool to hear about parents that they're coming to you. I attribute that to Mitchell's marketing copy and broken keyboards. Broken keyboards. <laughs> that's, the, that's the path ahead. What, um, I've seen you guys kind of like really mixing it up on social media with all the craziness with college. And what, what was the result of offering people, uh, maybe it's still ongoing, like, hey, if you want to drop out from where you're enrolled this semester, we'll, we'll give you a thousand bucks, you know, on top of the great deal practice already is. What, what, what was the result of that? I think oh that, I mean, there, was, there was an incredible splash, but it wasn't just from people who were responding to that offer. It was the, it was the publicity to some degree. And I think like the, that offer itself, like let's put that to the side. I think that opened up, you know, that got some attention I, that that caught people's attention to listen to the bigger picture. And yeah. I think yeah. that at this exact time, you know, as, as people are hearing about that, they're also being inundated with all these ridiculous things college are doing. And so in, in many ways, like 
that was us throwing our net out in the water and people were already swimming in our direction, like swimming away from college. And we just happened to be there like, Hey, there's something, you know, like standing. These, at these the, are uncomfortable the metaphors. Like, <laughs> you're, you're attracting moss to flames. You can yeah. burn them. You're trying to net people in the water. Exit here. Exit here. That's, that's, that's a, a better one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was perfect storm. And we've already, we're going to end up accepting 15 to 20 applicants that like that that specific dropout scholarship will apply to so it's been it's been crazy that's incredible i love it um how do you guys like bring this thing home do you have like a ritual for you know the last few <laughs> well months? isaac uh thanks for joining us and today. where can people uh learn more about you mr you, you, kick, you, you kick me off and then you talk shit about me after. <laughs> yeah i'm glad you didn't do the like uh, well, today is joined by Isaac Morehouse. He is the very guy. special guest. Yeah. I can't wait to share with or you. Or maybe, maybe you're going to edit Mitchell, that in after. Mitchell already passed the test of creating a, a bio for you on the spot back in the day. So yep. we we don't we don't okay. need that anymore. Can I tell the story, or do, or does Mitchell want to tell it? You can tell the story. Okay, we so probably I, remember I it thinking, differently. So th- this was this was the minute when I knew Mitchell. He had he had the it factor. Uh, I'd never met him before, but. I used to give all these lectures and I would always tell people, um, okay, it was always like some intern that was going to read my bio and introduce me at these student conferences. And I would tell them, look, three things, make the bio short, make it funny, but it doesn't have to be true. And they would always go up there and they would just read it off the paper anyway. And they would always like find some version. I don't even know where they got it because it wasn't from my website. That was like just insanely long and boring. So I said this to Mitchell and you know, nobody ever does it. And Mitchell like crushed it. I don't even remember what he, what he said, but he like threw in some crazy made up story or something. He, he, he gave me some grandiose. <laughs> I did the announcer of, voice. Yes. And he did it in like an announcer voice. Like next, uh, Isaac Morehouse, who is a, uh, and it was, I was like, Oh, I like, and I could tell he was like a little nervous, but he was like, I'm doing it. Cause this, I've been well, given a challenge. And, and like, that was, that was the moment I knew this. Guy well, had the, the part you missed though, is you, you sit, you gave that challenge to the people who were responsible for doing MCs. And I was, I was <laughs> overstepping because oh, yeah, no, nobody, I was just the photographer. Yeah. I was overstepping cause nobody, nobody was going to do it. I was like, Oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'll just yeah. do it. I'll do it. You, you overheard a challenge being issued to someone else. And you couldn't resist taking it on, even though that's, that is the kind of guy that you are, that you just can't resist that. that Give me the ball. Yeah. (laughs) Don't, don't get into betting. Might, might, might end. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, this is a, this is a ton of fun. I'm excited for uh, everything you guys are doing. It's, it's absolutely like making me just so more excited than I've ever been for the present and future of this, this company and this program. So uh, great, great work. Wouldn't wouldn't be here without the foundations you uh, you put in place. And, God, it's about uh, time you said that. I was waiting for somebody to. to we'll edit that it. out. We'll edit that. Yeah, out. we'll edit that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're we'll not going to listen guys. to this. You, you think it's all right. We'll right. we'll have you back on when you have something else worth talking about. Don't worry. Hey, all right. I'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>